Good morning, everybody. All right, so I'm sure you've probably noticed in the bulletin there's a blank piece of paper. Those are my notes. Actually, those are your notes. Um, so that's for you guys to write down on. I wasn't sure if it's better to not put notes in and just not have anything or to give you a blank piece of paper so you can write notes. I don't know. You guys can tell me later. I was trying to be helpful. It wasn't really supposed to be sarcastic. I realized you could take it sarcastically, but it was supposed to be a help that you could have something to write those notes on. So that's what I was going for. But also, just for full, uh, so you know everything, every message that I have, it's exactly the same. So, like, get this, and you'll never have to worry about anything else that I ever say. On, like, you can just, like, tune out as soon as I get up here. So my message is always, the Bible is amazing. Jesus is awesome. We have the Holy Spirit. Let's live out his life. That's the, that's the message I have every single time. Like, I, I can't come up with another one. Like, I just can't come up with anything better than that. So like, all right, I'm, all right we're just, I'm going to close my computer, we're going to go. But like, that is legitimately, that is the only message that I have, and that's the only thing that I can come up with that I can give you guys every single time. So know that that's whatever is on that piece of paper that if you've even, even started writing on it, that's the only thing you probably need to write um, from here on out. So there's a story that I heard um, a few months back. Oh, I gotta start my timer so I actually get, I don't keep you guys here so long. <laughs> All right, got started. Um, so there's a story that I heard uh, a few months back, and it was a a man who who had a a small piece of the book of Acts, and that book of Acts was um, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and this guy gets this, reads it, and becomes a believer. Like he's born again through this story, and. That's all. He, like that's the only bit of scripture that he has, he has ever read, and that is his story. Is that he becomes a believer because of this? So, he, and I don't remember where this is at. This is a true story. Um, Middle East, Africa, someplace very remote, and uh, there's missionaries that come into the area, and they are trying to figure out. All right, how do we how do we go? do these missions in these, in these different places, and there's all of these remote villages, and once they start going to these places, they're like, there's already been, like, the word of God has already come. How did this happen? Like, how, how has the word of God come? Like, these are ridiculously remote villages. How, how did this happen? And somehow it gets back about that it's this guy who's been going to these villages, and they're like, how did you get there? Like, are there roads that we don't know about? Like, is there a better way? And he's like, no, I just show up there. And they're like, yeah, that's my question. Like, how did you show up there? How did you get there? And he's like, well, I just, I'm, I just get there. I just show up there. And they're like, that's our question. How did you get from here to there? And he's like, I, I just show up there. And they're like, wait a minute, you just show up there. Like, you're not here and you're there? And he's like, yeah, isn't that how Christians live? Like, that's the only bit of, like, Christianity I've ever heard is that that that's what happens when you're a believer. If you're supposed to go, if God has a mission for you, you'll just go. Saves on airfare. <laughs> so, so he's just like, that's, that's the life I live. Like, I believe that that's how God moves, and that's what happens. It's like, that's a true story. We're missing something. Like, isn't there something more that we should be tapping into? That there is a greater life that's still yet to be seen in our lives, that he, is, he has started something, but we're still waiting to move into something greater, that this is the life that we can live into as Christians. Like, that's Christianity. That's what we're supposed to be. I just show up places because I, be, like, I believe that that's 
how God moves. How does God move? What are we believing? So, um, let's pray before we um, get into anything, but it's the same prayer I always ask. You guys would pray with me, for me, and for yourselves, but I wanted to uh, read it from Colossians 4, 2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So in, in this prayer, as you're being steadfast, be, be thank, giving it in thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Like that is what I'm trying to do is to, to declare the mystery of Christ through his word and what he wants to say to us. On account of which I am in prison, that I may t- make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So that's what I want, that we would um, pray in thanksgiving, that we'd be steadfast in our prayers, and that we'd be praying that he would, and it's not even just, don't necessarily just pray for me, but that he would just reveal the mysteries of Christ to you, that he would open our ears, that he would speak through me during this time. Um, So I actually want for us to actually pray together, thanking him, thanking him for everything that he's done, that you have transformed my life, that you have died, that you replaced me with you on that cross. Like we all have things that we can go, hey, this is what I'm thankful for. These are the things, and God, would you reveal all of these mysteries to us in this? So would you rise and pray with me? I'm going to actually mute my mic so we can actually all pray out together. Are you guys, did you already mute me? (laughs) Um, so, so <laughs> thanks. Um, so, so, so we're all going to pray together and we're going to pray in Thanksgiving. God, just thank you for these things and reveal your mysteries to us. God, I just thank you so much for what you've already accomplished for us, God. That you have died, that you have risen, that you have brought a new life into us. seated. So David uh, last week preached on, in essence, the kingdom and how it's, um, how it's here but not yet, and that we're, there's still something yet to come, and there's something that we can be living into. Uh, so we know that he rose on the first day, that he has begun this new thing, um, it's the inauguration of this new creation that we're waiting to see the completion of, but we're waiting for that fullness to take place, um, the consummation of his kingdom, that the inauguration has taken place, but we're waiting for the consummation of the fullness of it. So in the meantime, we live in the confidence in, in that which we hope one day will be that which is complete. So we have this conviction that things that we can't see will one day happen, and that's faith right? That's faith, like the evidence of things not seen, um, the, or the assurance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. Um, 
confidence, assurance, the substance of things hoped for, evidence, certainty, conviction of things not seen. That's, that's what this is, this in-between, between, hey, it's begun, and hey, it's not finished yet. We live in this, it's a walk of faith, it's a life of faith, that, that faith is actually something that we live and move and, and breathe into, that, we, like, it, it's his spirit in us. Like, walking by the spirit is walking by faith. Like, that's the same, it's the same thing. So if we go to um, one of the, there's so many passages on, on faith, but if we go to Hebrews um, 10, actually, so right before uh, 11, where it talks about faith a lot. If we go to Hebrews 10. So the book of Hebrews is this, this book that is just like, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is the best of all of the priests. He is the sacrifice. He has opened up the holy place for us to be able to walk into and be able to commune in his presence. Jesus is better. It's this, it's like if you, if you picture it as like just an analogy, it's like a door. It's like super uh, intricate design, super um, well-crafted. And um, you, it's like this big heavy door and you're just like, man, somebody engraved all of these pieces and, and just put all this together. And it's like, Jesus is better than, Jesus is better than, Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is like amazing and above everything that you can ever imagine. And that is like what Hebrews 1 through uh, 10 is trying to talk about. So then you get to um, Hebrews 11 and it's like, how do, you, how do we respond? How do we live into if we know that that's true, if we know that he is the supreme, if he's better, then how do we live? It's in faith. So the hinge with which that door swings on so we can get to the back side of the door and the back side of the door is, all right, how do we live in, in essence to what we just saw on the front side is Hebrews 10, 36 um, to the end of that chapter. So for you have need of endurance. So there's something of, there's going to be an endurance that takes place. It's going to take some time. It's going to be a process that goes on. So that when, when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. So who is the coming one? Jesus, yes. So we know that there will come a day when he will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one, he shall live by faith. So in the meantime, when we're having endurance, when we're waiting for that time for him to come, for the consummation of his kingdom to take place, what, what is our role in all of that is to live by faith. So my righteous one shall live by faith, and if, he, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So this is something that uh, has been a struggle for me trying to figure out for a while, and it's actually my prayer for 2019, that I would learn what is faith? How do I actually walk out in faith? That, that I could be like, yeah, I just show up places because I have faith. Like, that's because I've seen this in the Bible, and this is the life that I'm called to live into. I want to know, what does that look like? How do I live into it? And for the longest time, faith is just, it seems uh, like wispy, like, like smoke. Like, I'm like trying to grab it, and I, like, I can't, can't grasp it. And I'm just like, you oh, know, I just need to have faith. You know, just faith someplace out there. I don't know. And it's like, do, do you ever feel that way? It's just like, I need faith in, I got it. No, I missed it. It was so close. I like, I almost had it right there. And it just whoo, whoo, disappeared in this, in, I don't know where it disappeared to. It just was gone. 
And then it's like, well, what does that mean? Am I supposed to have faith in faith? Am I supposed to, that doesn't seem quite right. Well, there's like, I should have like, like sometimes we think that religious faith is like blind or that we're supposed to take a leap of faith into the dark. Like that there's, it's just, there doesn't need to be any certainty. It's just faith. And I just believe that something is and it will be. Uh, not quite right. It's close. So I've been talking to the Spirit and been like, all right, I need you to reveal this one to me because this is tricky and this is how we're supposed to live and I can't get it. So it's not wispy. It's not whimsy. It's not like this smoke that's impossible to grasp. And it's not this, like, I think sometimes we feel like we have to whip ourselves up, that, that it's something that we aren't sure if we can be sure of. Like, I need, to have, I need to have surety in this thing that I'm not sure that I can have surety in. And it's like, well, that seems silly too. So it's not believing something to be real or true or, or to potentially be real or true in the future without any evidence and often the presence or, of, or confirmed contradictory information. Like sometimes we'll be like, well, I know the information says this, but I'm going to believe this. And it's not just that we're like faith is believing the opposite or contrary information. Like that's more fantasy. That's more make-believe. It's, not in, it's kind of engaging in like this pretend idea. It's not, um, it's not a c- collapse of common sense or, or, or n- not even common sense. It's not a collapse of just like our intellect and our brain. Because that like, that's not how God made us. He didn't make us just to have all of everything that he wired us to do to just collapse. So in Hebrews 11, which is where we just ended, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so I just asked God, I was like, riddle that one back to me, please. I'm confused. Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm like, okay, okay. Let me, I'm just going to work on figuring this out on my own. Things hoped for. So if I hope for something, I need to have assurance of that something. Okay, okay. So the con- conviction of things not seen. So if it's something that I haven't seen yet, but I have a conviction that it is potentially possible. All right, so I get this things hoped for, this things not seen yet. I get that. What is this assurance thing? What is this conviction thing? And the spirit was like, hey, Stephen, so if you, if, if you have something that things hoped for, what is the only thing that gives you assurance that anything that you hope for could come to be? Yeah, Jesus. He's the only thing that I have assurance that the things that I hope for can come to be. So then the things not seen, I'm like, what, where's my conviction for the things not seen? And he's like, yeah. What is, the, what is the only conviction you have for the things that you have not yet seen? What is the only thing that you can be like, I have full conviction because of this that the things not seen yet will come to pass? What is that? What is that conviction? It's Jesus. So the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen is Jesus. Jesus is that assurance. Jesus is that conviction of these things. And so I think sometimes that we, we miss the object of our faith. We put our faith into something that we want to see something take place. And so I believe in this to take place as opposed to believing in him. Does that make sense? I believe in the healing to take place, but I'm not believing in him. 
Do you see the difference in that? Yep. Do you? Yep. So there's, there's, we're, we're missing what the object of our faith is. We tend to make faith about us, about us having enough of it, but if it's just a mustard seed, it's not that much. If I'm just like, if that's what it is, it's, it's about who that object of that faith is. That it's, the, it's the faith in his work, the work that he has already accomplished for us. It's not what we worked up, it's what he's done. Our part in faith is not working up our faith, but living into what Christ has already accomplished. That is what faith is. It's going, he's already done this, so because of he is my assurance, because he is my conviction, this is what I live into. That's the life of faith. It's not going, hey, I have hope in this. I want to believe in this. This is the things that I want to see. It's going, no, I am fully united with him. I am fully bound and tied with him. And there is nothing that can separate me from who he is. And I am walking into his life. So when I walk into his life, that is my life of faith. Does that all make sense? So it's the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he lives. That's what the life of faith looks like. And I think one of the other things that I've struggled with is going, all right, I feel like there's two faiths. One, when I become a believer and I've, I've been born again, that's one faith. And then the other faith is believing that something miraculous can happen. Provision, um, whether it's finances or a healing or whatever it might be, that there, it seems to me like sometimes that there's like, all right, so there's this faith for being born again, and then there's this other faith of healings, provision, etc. And I found that that's not true. Like, that, that's not biblical. It doesn't seem right. There's only one faith. The only faith that we can ever have is in faith in Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. All of my faith is in line with him. Like, it's not like I have faith that I can believe that he did something for me, and I have faith that I can be healed. No, it's only faith in him. That's the only faith. That's the only faith. It's faith that he can accomplish what he's set out to do and that he's already accomplished those things. So we put all our belief in him, all of our faith in him, his work, his rule, his character, his promises, his word. Faith then works out of what our belief is. He is the support and the anchor. All of the acts of faith come from our faith in who he is. It's not faith for something or in something happening or not happening, faith is in someone. Faith from the very start is always Christ. It's always what he has accomplished. It's always what he's done, is doing, and will complete one day. Faith is, is something, it, it, faith in something or something else is, that's not faith. Because if, if, it, it makes us double-minded. If I believe that one thing, like if I have two different faiths, one being I'm born again, that I believe that everything comes through him, and then I have another belief for something else, then I'm double-minded because I, at one point I'm believing, yes, he is everything, and the other second I'm going, all right, I believe that I can have faith for something. I, can, I believe that I can have faith for provision. So I've taken and I've made myself double-minded. Do you see how that happens? So there's, like, we need to be single-minded. We need to be single-minded in the faith of who Christ is, that that is our only anchor, that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, like, our faith doesn't take a sidestep to what, how our brain works. And so I want to actually show you that from Hebrews 11. So in, in here, so we have 
In Hebrews 11, 11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, she, she, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. So she, since she considered, she, she viewed that the person that she was believing in, that, that he was faithful. So she was putting her faith into him. That she took the moment to consider what it was. So the faith isn't blind. It's not, um, it's not just like I'm hoping in something potentially to happen. Faith is, it, there's a mental exercise that takes place that we have to actually take a moment to go, all right, I'm going to consider who this is that I'm having faith in. Has he ever failed me before? No. Will he ever fail me? No. So I'm taking a moment, I'm considering who this is that I'm having faith in, not what I'm having faith for. So go to uh, verse 17. By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. This is Abraham. When, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he, who had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was, even, was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So he considered that the promise that God had given him, that that, that, that he, put, he, he, he took the moment, he took time to think, who is this that has told me this? Yes, this person is faithful. I can put all of my faith in this person. So faith isn't blind. It's not just a leap into hoping that for some, like, something will catch me. No, it's, it's guaranteed that this is the person that I'm putting my faith in. The same thing is said for Moses. So by, in verse 23, by, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So again, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. So when we have faith, we're taking that moment, we're going, all right, cognitively, I'm using my brain to think, who is my assurance? Who is my conviction that of the things hoped for, the things not seen? It's Jesus Christ. This is the message of what, we, what faith truly is. It's not, like I've said, it's not just a jump into something. It's, it's putting my life. Faith is walking in line with the work that he has already accomplished and has already done for us. So faith is the unification of us and Christ and the life that ensues from that union. When we live out, when we live out united to Christ, that changes everything. Faith is living by the Spirit, and living by the Spirit is walking by faith. So if, the, if, if faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, um, and I know that Jesus is my assurance, Jesus is my conviction of all of these things, there's this, and, and I'm taking this moment to consider what, it, what has taken place. I need to, 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 to align myself with the truth of his word, right? So is there, like currently, right now, is there a stool right behind me? What was it? So there's not one right behind me. So if I were to just sit down and believe that there was a stool right behind me, I would just fall on the ground, right? Because there wasn't one. So like, I am basing my faith on nothing. It's just my own idea. But if I were to walk over here, I would be like, hey, is there a stool behind me? Yes. 
because I'm judging based on what you guys are telling me, that you guys can see something that I can't. So if, I'm, if I want to know, hey, this is, you know, if I want to align my life with truth, I want to go, hey, I need the Bible. I need the Spirit to be guiding and directing me. So if, I, if right now I was like, hey, help me get in line to the point that I can sit down in the stool, and all of you guys started talking, and you guys were all like, hey, so Stephen, go to your right. Wait, my right or your right? Who's right? Is, go back or forward? Like, who's forward? My back, your forward? Which way? Like, where am I going? So like, if I want to get in line, I'm going to go, I need to pick what voice I'm hearing. So dad, help me sit down on the stool. Back up. Right there. Sit down. So this, yeah, it was a tough one, right? Yeah, we weren't sure if I was going to make it to that stool. So whose voice did I take a moment to listen to? My father. Why did I choose him? Because I trust him because I have a life experience with him, that I know that he's not going to turn his back on me, that he's not going to make me fall off the edge of the stage, that he's not going to do anything to compromise that relationship with me, right? Like, we know that. So if I'm lining my life up with the truth of who Christ is, I need to line my life up with the truth of his word. My father, the spirit speaking through, like the spirit is bringing the things that Christ has brought, that the, the, that the father is saying and telling, uh, telling him to be saying to us. So if I want to be lining my life up with truth, I need to be in the word because the word is the truth of God. So we have Jesus in... Um, in John 8, 31 through 32, so Jesus said to the, Jews, you who, uh, to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So truth is abiding in his word, by abiding in the things that Jesus has commanded and Jesus has told us, and that truth will set us free. Jesus, in John 16, 12 through 14, he says, I still have many things that I want to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the spirit is also, so like not only are his commands, the things that he has told us, the words that he has said, his, that is, is truth and that truth will set us free, but his spirit is speaking truth into us and that we are to align our lives with that. Jesus, uh, when he's with Pilate, um, says, in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Like this, is, like this is what Jesus came to do, was to testify to the truth. That we need to be going, all right, so he came for one reason, to be testifying all of his life to the truth, to the reality of what, what we're to be living into, what the garden looked like, what was designed from the get-go. That was the truth. And we, we all right, let's go to Romans 1 real quick. Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their own thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. So remember, this is the whole thing of we're supposed to have, like, faith isn't this throw out the brain. It's cognitively thinking, this is who I'm putting my faith in. And it says, they became futile in their own thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resemble mortal man and the birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That was our story before Christ. That we gave up the truth of God for life. So he comes, I came to testify to the truth. That's why I came, was so that you would know the truth and the truth would set you free in my spirit. I have so many more things I want to say, but my spirit is coming and he is the spirit of truth and he'll reveal the things that I don't have time to right now, but he'll reveal, reveal those things to you in time. So truth is a pretty big deal when it comes to faith. We need to be aligning our lives with the truth of his word. So if faith is my belief in truth, because Jesus is the truth, so that works, why do I struggle to live into this truth? How can we see and live into truth more regularly, basically? So that would take light, right? Like light is what reveals things. It illuminates things. Even from Genesis 1, so in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. On the first day, let there be light. All of a sudden there's light into creation. It's now revealing everything that is about to take place. It's, it's the beginning. It's uh, when, when God creates, it's, it's night, evening, and then there's morning. So after the dark comes light. So we've come out of darkness. We've come out of, as uh, Paul says in Colossians, we're no longer in that realm of darkness. Um, as, Peter, uh, as Peter says, uh, you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a people who, of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So if we want to be aligning our lives with truth, we need to go, all right, great, this is awesome. Light reveals truth. And Jesus is also the light of the world. Not only is he the truth, but he is also the light. So again, all of faith is lining our lives up with Jesus. He is the assurance. He is the conviction. He is the evidence. He is the assurity that I have in anything that my faith is set in who he is. Because he is revealing things with the light that he, 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 does, he, he brings to everything. And he is the truth of everything. I think um, potentially one, uh, another thing that's, it's, that's helpful in, in this is another illustration. So in, uh, um, in the wintertime, as we're coming into spring, what is the first flower that's about to come up? 
the crocus. Yes, so there's actually a potential that the crocus could pop through, through the ground, and there could be snow on the ground, right, Tricia? Yeah, so like, there, it is the assurance that I have that spring will be here, right, Dad? <laughs> there will be, yes, there will be spring. We will get out of winter. So the crocus, I can go, all right, I have seen the evidence of spring. It's the beginning of something. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, it's the beginning of, like, I can point to him. I can point to his resurrection and go, I know that the new creation, I know that his, the consummation of his kingdom will come because he is that crocus. Does that make sense? Just an analogy. So that he is that crocus that I can point to and go, I know I know that there will come a point where spring will, will come, that new life will come forth, that it will come full in its fullness, in its completion. In the, in the fullness of, of time, all of these things will take place. But I know that because Christ, my crocus, is, is pointing me and, and, and guiding me and aligning me to that, that I can put my, my trust in him and I can put my eyes set on him. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirty three. Or, hmm, I have it written down wrong. Nope, nope, I did write it right down. Uh, Luke eleven thirty three through uh, 36. So no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness, and then your whole body is full of light. Having no, is full of light, having no part dark. It will be wholly bright as when a lamp, when, it, when its rays give, give you light. So when it's, your eye is the lamp of your body, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. So when our eye sees the things that he has said, when our eyes align with the truth, with the light of his word, then our whole body is full of light. But when we're not, when we're, when we're taking little snippets of, of lies, when we're taking, when, if it's between truth and lie, if I'm taking little, like, little pieces of lies and, if, and I'm biting on those and I'm taking those in, then I'm letting a little bit of darkness in. So if my eye is single, if my eye is true, if my eye is pure, if my eye is full of light, my whole body is full of light. So if the only thing that I'm letting in is light, then my whole body is just full of light. And I'm walking in the spirit and I'm walking out in faith of who he is and the faith that I have in who he is. So we need to align our lives with the truth of his word, with what he has already accomplished. You guys still follow me on that? Okay. So let's go to um, Colossians. So Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So he has delivered us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his, uh, of his beloved Son. But that's something that we have to realize. Like this, because all too often we'll be like, okay, yeah, he, he, he transferred me from the, from the realm of darkness into this, but I, I've chosen to believe a lie sometimes. And I'll let those things come in and I'll believe those over the truth of what he is. So my eye's not being single, right? I'm not letting just light come through. I need to 
have just the truth of his word coming through my life so I can align with who he is. And um, going down to verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So we once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing all kinds of evil deeds. He has now reconciled us in his body. So walk out in the life that you've been called to. In uh, verse 6 of chapter 2, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So in all of our walking out, in aligning our lives to him, just like we should be continually going back to intimacy with him, that it goes back to thank you so much that you have brought me out of the realm of darkness, that you have brought me into your marvelous light, that you have revealed things to me that were once lies, that were once things that I was taking and I was pulling and I was taking a hold of, but that's no longer the truth. That's no longer the way I'm living. Oh, man, time's up. Uh, uh, verse 8, See to it that, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, that not, that not according to Christ, for in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is head of, of the rule and authority. So like he is the one that, who fills us. And we have, he, he is the fullness of God in, in, in human form, and he's the one that fills us. And it says, don't let anybody take you captive by, by philosophy and empty deceit. Like, there's a way that seems right to a man, and that way ends in death, ends in destruction. So there's this whole thing of human wisdom that we, like if we're going to do faith and we're going to be like, hey, it's a cognitive thing that it takes time for me to, to process and go, all right, I put my faith in him, but there's also a way that I can be like, all right, so it, it's, it's something that I can, I can take my mind and I can process through and it can seem, like how many times in the Bible does the wisdom of God really make sense? Like very few, if any. I can't remember any that really truly make a lot of sense to me from a carnal standpoint that I'm like, that was, that was not the way I would have done it. So when I'm going, all right, yeah, I'm really clever. I'm really crafty. I've got this great wisdom thing going on. It makes a lot of sense. Uh-oh, it's making a lot of sense. Wait a minute. I want to make sure. Let's back up just for a second. Spirit, I want to make sure. Is this in line with your wisdom? Because there's a wisdom that makes sense to a man, and in its, in its end, it ends in death, ends in destruction. So I want to make sure that my wisdom isn't my wisdom. I want to make sure that my wisdom is aligned with his wisdom. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm almost done. I'll stop here shortly. So, uh, verse 20. Um, yeah, verse 20 of Colossians 2. If with Christ you have died with the elemental spirits of this world, why is it that you still are alive in the world? Do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all will perish and they are used according to the human precepts and teaching. Like, let's not be doing that. Let's not go, hey, I'm going to give everything to him, but I'm also going to be thinking about, like, how do I live into this world as far as let me take some of the wisdom of this world. Let me, let me buy into some of these lies. Let me buy into some of these things that they're giving me. No, that's, like, that's, not, that's not how we were born again. That's not how we're to walk. We're not to walk in a double-minded standpoint. 
These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So then, beginning chapter 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things which are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death all of these things. Walk in all of these things. It's like, oh, it just makes sense, right? It's not this, like, I, I feel like all too often we get this whole idea of like, oh man, it's such a struggle. Like, I don't say yes to the things of the flesh. Say no. Walk into the things of God. It's like, no, we have a poor revelation of God, if that's the case. Like, we are not walking in faith. We're not walking by the Spirit because, like, if we're going, all right, so how do I deal with the sin in my life? It's, it's just taking a hold, and I just can't get this thing out. So that I'm going to go, all right, so the processes of the world are to neglect this thing or to give myself a better pleasure over here. No, the better pleasure is Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is always the superior one. If we don't see him as greater, we continue in sin. We continue in a life of not righteousness. And, and like, so um, holiness, walking in the life that Jesus is, ha- has for us, that is faith. Like it, it sometimes it's like, man, it just feels like I just have to buck up and try to do these things and work and, and work hard to become something. But it's like, no, holiness is actually faith. It's giving myself fully to who he is. That holiness is walking out faith. That I, I have so much confidence that his way is better. That that is faith. Holiness and walking in that light is what it is. So don't go, all right, I'm going to work I'm going to have faith in the results that I want to have. No, have faith in Christ. Don't look for the byproduct of faith. Look for who is the author and perfecter of your faith. And faith will come out of your life. Faith will be the thing that lives and breathes and comes out of who you are because you are a believer and you're a believer who believes in him. Right? Like that is what we're, that's, that's the whole point of who we are, is that we actually believe in him and that the life that he has brought into us is different than any other life that I can get, that I can work up, that I can come up with. And so, yes, don't do these things because that's not the walk of faith. It's not holiness. It's not the life that he has brought you into. Walk out these things. Walk into the, be like the, the title of that section from my Bible is, um, alive in Christ, put on the new self. Like, al- like, alive in Christ, put on the new self. Like, get rid of these old things. I have brought you out of darkness into my marvelous light. Let's walk in that. Let's live in that. 